on this episode of the Jeff Does Vegas podcast. Now, just so you know, um, a good card counter, they will count down a single deck in less than 20 seconds. What? No. Yeah. No, they won't. Yeah. 30 seconds is still good, but a professional card counter can do it in 20 seconds or less. <laughs> well, there goes that career for me. <laughs> in Spanish, its name means the meadows. You might know it as the entertainment capital of the world, lost wages, or simply Sin City. Of course, I'm talking about fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. On average, 42 million people visit Las Vegas every year, and I'm one of them. I love this city. The sights, the sounds, the shows, the people, the history. I want to share all of it with you. Taking you to the world-famous Vegas Strip and beyond, my name is Jeff, and this is the Jeff Does Vegas Podcast. Hey there, and welcome to episode number 51 of the Jeff Does Vegas Podcast. Thank you so much for jumping on board this little podcast journey to my favorite city on the planet, fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. Before we get into this episode of the show, I want to thank everyone for downloading and checking out the last episode of the podcast, my trip report from my most recent trek to Vegas back in mid-January. If you haven't had a chance to take a listen yet, I'd invite you to jump into the archives wherever you get your podcasts and search out episode number 50 or head to the website at jeffdoesvegas.com to listen and snag the show notes as well. All right, let's do this. On to the show. My guest for this episode of the podcast is Heather Ferris, the CEO and founder of Vegas Aces, an online casino dealing and gaming school. Heather is also a second generation born and raised Las Vegan, an adjunct professor at UNLV, and she has over 15 years of experience in the casino industry. I had Heather on the podcast way back in episode number 13 to help me get over my fear of playing table games and teach me the basics of blackjack. This time around, she's here to chat about something infinitely more interesting, cheating in casinos. We connected at the gaming lab at UNLV to talk about the different types of cheating that people try to pull off, the legalities of counting cards and whether or not that's considered cheating. We covered what happens to cheaters and the legend of the infamous black book. We discussed what casinos do to fight back against potential cheating. And we discussed the topic of when skill becomes cheating. Please enjoy my conversation with Heather Ferris of Vegas Aces. The first thing we need to do is the definition. You know, definition of skill versus definition of cheating. So skill is doing everything by the book. It's following all of the rules that the, the casino set out, doing everything that the casino says, and still being able to have a better house advantage than the casino. So normally the casino has a good house advantage, and if the player card counts correctly or does something that involves skills, um, they could turn that advantage to their advantage, and then they could start making more money that way. One example of skill would be card counting. And that's something that we're going to talk about more here in just a moment. Yeah. Um, another thing is cheating. So 
The skill, you're doing everything that the casino asks you to do. You're not breaking any rules. Cheating is when you start breaking those rules. Um, so for a example, pinching or pressing, Pinching is when you take money off of a bet, and pressing is when you put more money on the bet. Usually this happens when you already know the outcome of the game, and therefore it's like stealing. You know, you're taking money from the casino, you know what the outcome is, and you are altering your bet in a way that you get paid more than you would have, or you would lose less than you would have. This is technically stealing. So in order to do something like that, pinching or pressing or something like that, you'd have to be like, wouldn't you have to be like freaking David Copperfield, sleight of hand magician to be able to really get in there and reach and stuff? In order to do it successfully, you have to practice. So there are a lot of people where they will buy table games just to practice at home for hours at a time. So that way they can make sure that they pull off these movers in a nice, swift, clean, easy fashion. And that way they're less likely to get caught. Wow. That's some real dedication. Yes, it is real dedication. And it's not just, say, like a week here, a week there. I'm talking when these people do it, they're spending years of their time practicing, years and years. Wow. Mm-hmm. So other than the, the pinching and pressing, um, do you have any other examples of, of cheating that you yes. can share? Yeah, there are a lot of examples. Um, we won't go into all of them because I don't think our podcast is long enough for all of that. <laughs> <laughs> but some things that they do besides pinching and pressing. Have you ever walked up to a blackjack table and they have a shoe and on the shoe they have a little chain that's hooked up to the table? Have you ever noticed that? I've never noticed it, but I'm sure I'll notice it now. (laughs) Check it out. The reason why they have that chain is to keep people from swapping the deck. So what people used to do, or what some of them still do, is they will go home, they will take six decks, they'll prearrange the cards in a way that they win a lot of money, and they'll go into the casino and they'll swap the shoes with the prearranged cards. So that way when people go to the the table to play, they know that that shoe is already going to give them a ton of winning hands and all they have to do is just bet big and they're good. So what casinos did was they put a chain Uh, that hooks from the table to the shoe so that way people can't swap the decks. So that would have to be like an inside job though, wouldn't it? That's a good point. So here's the thing. A lot of people think that when casinos are talking about game protection and table security, they're only protecting the house from players. What they're actually doing is they're protecting the house from both players and dealers. Um, A lot of time when cheating is happening, it's usually happening in-house. You know, they have to worry about their employees just as much as they're worrying about the players. Mm-hmm. That's why policies and procedures are put into place for uh, dealers to follow, for floormen to follow. If those policies and procedures aren't followed exactly, then it makes it makes those actions stick out like a sore thumb and they're able to be caught easier. Okay. Because I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, okay, how is a stranger just walking up 
and, and changing the decks. Yeah, usually, usually it's not a stranger. These people, when they're cheating, they know what they're doing. They are dedicating a lot of time preparing for this, and they'll usually shop casinos to see where they want to try out these maneuvers and what dealers they want to use for their scheme. So it's some real Ocean's Eleven stuff. It can be. Um, <laughs> Ocean's Eleven is like most casino or most movies where they really embellish sure. and glorify what actually happens. So yeah. it looks a lot freaking cooler in the movies <laughs> than it actually is in real life. Right. You know? So any other examples that you can give that you care to share, or or are we keeping them secret so we don't? No. Have a bunch of people trying them. We will give out, well, yeah, right. Um, we'll give out one more example. So another example is marking the cards. Okay. Um, and this happens on all of the games. This isn't just like a blackjack thing. This also happens on mini Bakra, for example, where a player will use Dob or they'll use Vaseline or they'll use some kind of substance where they mark the card and then they use that information to their advantage. Um, if you go to a mini Baccarat table and look at their discard rack, you might notice that there is like a plastic, it looks like sort of a case that's mm -hmm. covering it. And there's a little slit on the top and the, the dealers would take the cards and they would put it in that slit and in the discard rack, but it would be completely covered. So that way nobody can get to it. Um, that's a device that casinos use in order to stop people from marking the cards on a mini Baccarat game. So for every scam out there that people have to cheat the casinos, the casinos have a device or a procedure in place to try to stop that scam from happening. But I guess if those devices are in place, at some point that scam happened. Yeah. So oh, they, yeah. they had to make adjustments to, to get into that in order to prevent it from happening again. Right. So I've heard you on a couple of your past live streams use the term advantage player and when i was watching your live stream and i was watching you talk about it I, I in my head i was trying to sort out whether or not advantage player is just a really polite term for a cheater or if an advantage player is is an actual thing so advantage player or or, or ap for short um could be either they could either be cheating or they could be card counting. Cheating is illegal. Card counting is not illegal. What advantage player means is they see a flaw or some kind of weakness in the casino and they're taking advantage of that for their gain. So a lot of advantage players are card counters. Or what they'll do is they'll take advantage of the promotions that the casinos give out. A lot of times the people who are in charge of casinos don't understand the full capacity of promotions and they tend to give out more than they should, therefore losing money in the process. Mm -hmm. And if people are smart, they recognize this, they see this, and then they use that to their advantage, hence the name Advantage Players. Um, usually the term Advantage Player isn't necessarily linked to cheater because you know you're cheating it's illegal however there are some people who do put the two together it's the same so when you're talking about advantage player it could either be a card counter or it could be a cheater so yeah it could just be somebody that's figured out hey this is 
this is a great way for me to make some money. It's not illegal. It's still following the rules. It's following the letter of the law. But I'm taking more money than I than I could be or should be. Right. And that would be mainly for card counting. And card counting is not illegal. And the most a casino can do if they find a card counter is just back them off. And that kind of leads into the next thing that I did want to talk about. Because I do want to talk about card counting. I think everybody's got this this image in their mind of card counting um to to use a movie reference from rain man i'm sure um my brain just simply cannot comprehend how card counting works so i guess my question is how does it work and is it even possible now that it's a blackjack thing right it's only a blackjack thing or can it be used on other games too it could be used on other games too but when you're talking about card counting people are usually referring to blackjack okay and now is it even possible to do card counting anymore because i mean they're using more it's not like they're just using one deck of cards to play blackjack in a casino they're using five, six decks at a time? Well, the only thing I recommend is if you are going to try to card count, don't sit at a table with a continuous shuffle machine. You're not <laughs> going to you're not going to be able to do it, man. It won't work. Just don't even try. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you could card count, you could card count a single deck, you could card count an eight deck. It doesn't matter uh, how many decks you're on. If you could card count, you could card count. So how, I mean... Obviously, it's in the it's in the name, counting cards. But how does it work? Is it just you you are literally keeping track of every card being dealt and played, and mentally filing that away for future reference? Well, both you and Rain Man make it seem more mathematically uh, capable, I guess. Mathematically, like you need the mathematics more in order yeah. to do it. It's really simple. Um, you're just adding and subtracting ones, and you're not going over, at the very most, like 15 or under 15. At the very most. Usually it's like over 10, under 10. So uh, let me start from the beginning. Before I get too into it, before I confuse you, let me okay. start from the beginning. When people are playing blackjack, um, the first thing that they need to take into account is the house edge. And we talked a little bit about this on my live stream. And we, ta- we talked about that a bit on our the episode that you did with me previously, where you successfully somewhat taught me how to play blackjack. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, in that, every single blackjack table has different rules, have different um, options available to the players, and they also pay differently on blackjack. Some pay six to five, some pay three to two. All of those rules and all of that those options that are available to the player, they change the house edge. So some tables are better to play than others. Um, you really need to look for like what's a good table to play at. Once you've found that good table, uh, what you're going to try to do is first you have to learn the blackjack strategy guide. Okay. Now, if you have ever read the book, uh, How to Beat the Dealer or Beat the Dealer by uh, Edward Thorpe, it was like one of the major books, especially in the 60s, where he actually introduced the blackjack strategy guide and the first counting system, which was the tens counting system. Um, The blackjack strategy guide, what that does is 
after immense calculations, uh, they decided what is the best way to play the game. And it brings the house edge from 0.5% all the way down to 0%. Um, that's very rare in the casino. Like I was telling you uh, on my live stream a little earlier, true odds on crafts is the only time you get 0% in the casino. Well, if you're car counting cards on a blackjack game and you're doing it correctly, you could get to 0% doing that. But what people are trying to do is they're trying to get it to the player's advantage. Why do 0% when you could do, say, plus 0.2% in the, the player's you know, favor? Mm -hmm. So that's what they're trying to do. Um, they're using Blackjack Strategy Guide for four out of five of their hands, and then they're counting cards while they're playing. Depending on the count, they will either uh, do a bet spread or they'll do a Blackjack uh, Strategy Deviation, where they'll deviate from the strategy depending on how many tens are in the deck. Let me know if I've confused you. No, I know I, I'm, I'm, still, going... I'm still here. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> awesome. So, yeah, so the first step when you're learning how to count cards is you learn the basic strategy. Um, it's also good to know the house edge when you're learning how to count cards. The next step after you've done both of these um, is to learn a count system. So what count system do you want to use? There's a ton of count systems out there, but which ones do you use? Well, I'm going to give you three count systems. Um, but the first thing you do is, what's the point of the count system? Uh, the point of the count system is to give the player enough information to determine, one, when to bet more, two, when to deviate from basic strategy, and three, when to take insurance. Now, depending on what you want to accomplish, you're going to use a different um, count system for each. So, which one do you want to choose? Well, first off, first and most important thing is what kind of game do you want to play? Are you going to be playing a single deck or a multi-deck game? Because that's going to determine one count system. The second thing you're going to determine is what is the easiest count system for you? What can you learn? Some people are different. They can learn different count systems easier than others. But what count system is easier for you? Because a lot of them are pretty much, I'm not saying all of them, but a lot of them are pretty much the same. It's just a 0 0.0.1 deviation. Mm -hmm. So if one system is easier for you to learn than the other system, and there's only that point, you know, 0 0.0.1 deviation, then learn the one that's easier for you. Because if it's easier for you, when you're in the casino and you're using it, it'll be easier for you, you know, to get through that, that stressful period because it is stressful when you're doing it sure it is yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> totally. now both of these questions are far more important to what system to use a lot of people say you have to use an advanced system that's not necessarily the case simple is perfectly fine the monetary difference between the advanced count and the simple count um, unless they're playing like several hours a day, like seven days a week, you're basically not going to see that in a lifetime of use. So you might as well just do the simpler, the better, you know. Okay. Um, so let's talk about the three different counts. The first one we're going to do is the high-low, and this is the most common one. And it's also the easiest one to learn. Now, what you're going to do is every single time you see an ace or a ten, you're going to subtract one. Okay, 
if you see a seven, eight, and nine, those are zero value cards and you're not gonna do anything with the count. If you see a two, three, four, five, or six, then all of these are plus one value and you're gonna to add to the count. So if you see a two, that's plus one. If you see a three, now you're at two. If you see a five, you're at three. If you see an ace, you're back to two. You see what I'm saying? So it's just adding and subtracting. Okay. Super easy, right? <laughs> Super easy. Super okay. easy. Okay. Now, um, that is the high-low. Just so you know, it's also called uh, plus or minus, and it is usually used for most counting systems. Now, if you want to do just single deck, let's say you found a single deck and you want to do a counting system for just a single deck game, then what you would use is the high opt one. And the high opt one count system was created by Lance Humble. And this is really good for the single deck. And how you do that is all of the aces are grouped with the zero crowd. So that way there's no chance of an ace busting a hard 16 or hurting a double down hand. So in that case, all of the tens are valued as negative one, so they are subtracted from the count. All of the aces, twos, sevens, eights, and nines are zero value, and all of the three, four, five, and six are valued as plus one, so you would add that to the count. And that helps with the single deck. So the single deck is the only deck you get the true count, Everything else is basically the running count, and I'll explain that here in just a few minutes. Okay. Um, the last one, the last system that we're going to go over is the 10 count, and that was created by Edward Thorpe in his book, Beat the Dealer. And this is basically what you use to take advantage of the uh, insurance. So same thing. Um, all of the 10s are minus one, and everything else is zero. So what you're doing with the tens count is you're just keeping count of all of the tens. That way, when you have insurance, when the dealer has an ace up, you know the probability of whether there's a 10 underneath that ace or not. So you know whether to take insurance or not. And that's the whole reason why you're doing the 10 count. Uh -huh. So depending on what um, weakness you want to take advantage of would depend on what count you would use. Any questions so far? So... Going back to the, the legit counting, the plus one, minus one stuff, that one. See, here's the problem that I would have. I'd need a freaking calculator to be keeping track <laughs> of the plus one, minus one, plus one, plus three, minus two, blah, 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 blah. No way. My, my tiny little brain could never make that happen. Well, you think that, but here's the thing. We humans are remarkable creatures, and homework is amazing. Just saying. Yeah. Practicing at home is actually one of the ways that you do card counting. You can't just go on blackjack table and be like, okay, I know what I'm going to do. <laughs> now I'm going to totally rule this place. I'm going to clean this place I'm gonna out. I'm going to clean this place out. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. You have to spend hours of at-home practice actually practicing what right. you're going to do. So let's talk about that. Um, what do you do to practice? What's your homework? You know, yeah, it's good to know you have homework, but what's your homework? So the first thing that you're going to do is identify card value. You're going to have a single deck in your hand, and you're going to go through the deck. You're not 
you're not actually counting, you're just identifying the card value. So if you see a, uh, if you see a three, that's plus one. If you see a seven, that's zero. If you see a 10, that's negative one. That's all you're doing. So every time you see one of those cards, you're assigning a value to it. And you have to get through the whole deck just assigning the value to it. Um, you do this depending on uh, the count you do. So if you do the plus minus, you would practice that way. If you wanted to do the 10 count, you would practice that way. But whatever it was, that's how you would practice it. Um, after you have that skill down, uh, stone cold, then you would start on the next homework assignment. And what that is, is now you want to keep a running count. So now you know what the value is. Now you're going to do the same thing and go through the deck, but this time you're actually going to do plus one, minus one, plus two, plus three, minus one, which is two, you know, and then actually do the running count. Same thing. Um, sit at home. You're going to have to do this a million times, no doubt. It's okay. And then go through the deck and actually plus, minus. Now, by the end of the deck, if you hit even or zero, nine times out of 10, you're ready to move on. Okay, you know you're doing good and you're ready to move on. Now what I want you to do is I want you to do exactly the same thing, but instead of one card at the time, I want you to do two cards at a time. So I want you to count two cards at a time, okay? And I want you to practice that over and over and over again until you can hit even at the end of the deck nine out of 10 times. So by the time you get to the end of the deck, if you're at zero, you know you did it right. And want you to do that nine out of 10 times. So it, it should always equal out to zero. It should always equal out to zero. And that's how you know you did it right. If, it, if you're at plus five and you've hit the end of the deck and you're, nah, you probably didn't do it right. You probably shouldn't go to the <laughs> casino and spend your money just yet. You're not quite ready to not knock off the Bellagio ready. yet. Not yet. <laughs> now, just so you know, um, a good card counter, they will count down a single deck in less than 20 seconds. What? No. Yeah. No, they won't. Yeah. 30 seconds is still good, but a professional card counter can do it in 20 seconds or less. <laughs> well, there goes that career for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of work. Card counting isn't just something where it's like, oh, I could, you know, win a lot of money and that's going to be my new day job and I don't have to do any work. No, there's a lot of work behind it. They make it look so easy in the movies. But that's the thing. If you do your job good, it makes it look effortless. I guess, yeah. And that's with any job. Same thing, you know? If yeah. you look like a clumsy fool, you're probably not doing it right. <laughs> <laughs> if you're losing money, you're probably not doing it right. So it's basically, it's flashcards, yeah. more or less. Oh, yeah. Looking at a deck of cards and counting it. And, and like you say... I mean, to use a sports analogy, I used to work with a, a guy who was a play-by-play um, -play announcer who was a, he had a photographic memory on this stuff. And so he, before every game in the press box, looking at the hockey players, he would look over and go, 42, Smith, 61, Jones, 32, Krabovlowski. And that was all he had to do in his head at the start of a game to get an idea of of who these people were never had to look at a piece of paper never had to look at anything so that's more or less that's what this it's flashcards yeah it's flashcards and that's actually one of the homework assignments uh that's one of the tools that you use for the homework assignment is flashcards um another homework assignment that you use in order to help is uh charts 
So you would take a blank chart and you would like say, for example, write down the basic strategy. So you would memorize the basic strategy. Um, another way to do it is uh, you would have your friend actually deal blackjack to you and then you would have to sit down and actually try to apply what you just learned um, to that. And that's going to be hard because you're going to be saying they're shooting the shit with your friend, you know? Right. Or what would be even better is if you had some alcohol there. Because if you're in a casino, you're going to want some alcohol there. The reason why is because if you're sitting there and you're drinking alcohol and you're chill and you're relaxed and you look like you're having a good time, they're going to be less likely to look at you versus you not drinking, you looking stressed out, you sitting there like, you know, having the, the cocaine eyes, like staring <laughs> at everybody's cards, moving your lips as you sit there counting. Like, <laughs> I mean, you know, it really just depends. There's a pro tip for you, kids. Don't, don't move your lips <laughs> while you're counting. Don't and, be 27, 5, 32, minus 4, five. And, ah, come and, on. And skip the cocaine eyes. Yeah, skip the cocaine eyes. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Again, like I said, they make it look so easy in the movies. Mm -hmm. And clearly, I mean, this is a thing that people spend years trying to learn mm -hmm. and perfect. And I'm guessing that the number of professional card counters is probably not that high. Exactly. It's a very small percentage. Now, the people who try to card count, that's high. That percentage is right. high. Yeah. And the casinos love those people. Sure they do. You yeah. know, because they come in and they try a card count and $3,000 later, they're, you know, walking out with their heads hung and yeah. what did I do wrong? No, you did everything right. Come back tomorrow. Yeah. Come, come try again. <laughs> right. Come on in and try again. Right. Give it another try. And that's why, for example, it's okay for me to be seen here from someone from the other side telling you about this. This is just another way to get people in the casino. You want to try card counting? Awesome. Try it. Have fun. Go for it. Come on in and give us your money while you, you know, try. That's cool. And, and so I assume because of the level of difficulty involved with it, is that why card counting is not illegal, correct? It's not considered cheating? Correct. Card counting is not illegal. If you are really good and you're making a lot of money and then at the most, the casinos would be like, you know what, sir, you are just too good for us. You could play any other game in this casino, but we just, we can't have you play this game. I'm so sorry. Um, you could either go to another game or we're going to have to ask you to leave. That's pretty much it. That's right. when you know you're pretty good. Like, that's a compliment. That's no reason to get upset, no reason to get angry. That's a compliment. And then you go to the next casino. But because the, the number of people that can successfully do it is so, so small few mm -hmm. and the skill involved or the ability involved to be able to actually do it is so great. I, the casino, as you say, they're just kind of like, yeah, go ahead, give it a try. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a cat and mouse game. Right. The casino is involved in a cat and mouse game. The people who can't do it, that's great for the casino because that provides a profit, but the people who can do it, that's the cat and mouse game, and that's why those managers are trained in what they're trained in, so that way they can catch those people. Mm -hmm. That's fascinating to it's, me. It's fun. It's it, and again, I mean, you've 
you've explained a lot to me because in my mind it was always like, okay, count how many tens have come out, count how many aces have come out. That's totally not what you're doing. You're not physically counting the number of cards. It's kind of, it's a math game. Right. And not just a math game. Um, we, there's so much to card counting. We could probably do two or three episodes on it, but it, you're not just counting the cards. You also have to worry about um, your bet spreading. You know, so they do bet spreads. You could spread the bet from, say, $5 to 500 which is an absolute insane spread. But, you know, mm. um, that's what a spread is. Uh, usually what the spreads are are 2 to 1, 4 to 1, 8 to 1. They're not insane like the example I just gave. Mm. Um, but that's a part of the card counting strategy. And another part of the card counting strategy is deviating from the blackjack strategy guide. Um, indices, you know, and that is also a part of the card counting uh, system. So there's just so much more involved than just one, two, three, two, one, you know, that type of a thing. That is that amazingly fascinating to me. And you're right. We could probably do like three full episodes of a podcast just on card counting. And maybe we will at some point because it's so interesting. Um, but I do, I, I want to talk about, about cheaters and what happens to cheaters. I think people have got in their mind, and maybe this is just me from watching the movie Casino and seeing that, that famous scene, the cheater's justice scene, where they've got the guy spread across the table in the back room and they're like, what hand do you count your checks with? Uh, my right hand, sir. Okay, smash. Exactly. Now you got to learn to count them with your left. Get the F out of my casino. <laughs> oh, I, the I'm, mob days. The mob days. I'm guessing <laughs> it's not quite there anymore. Unfortunately, corporate America has taken over and now they sue people instead. <laughs> Sorry, that's my that's my version of a joke. I, I mean, obviously, it's it's not there anymore. They're not going to bury you out in the desert. First of all, it's very dry out there. It takes a very long time to dig a hole. Um, <laughs> but they're they're not doing that anymore. As you say, they 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 do sue people now. People can be criminally charged. Is, is cheating in a casino? Can it be a felony? Considered a felony? Yes, that's a great question. It is considered a felony. Um, depending on what you do, we have different NRS statutes. Um, I actually go a little bit into detail about this in one of my live streams. Uh, five illegal things in a casino, mm -hmm. and I'm probably totally screwing up my own title, but something like that. That's okay. We'll link to we'll link to it in the show notes. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate it. But um, yeah, so for example. Did you know that it was a felony to have to use an electronic device uh, anywhere near the table to help you cheat? So there are apps for your phone that will help you count cards. If you use, use that app on the table, that's an electronic device that is helping you basically cheat on the table. That is a felony. You could go to prison for that for several years. Wow. Yeah. Um, you also have to pay, I think it was a $10,000 fine. Don't quote me on the price. I have to, uh, don't quote me on the number, but it's something like that. Um, and then you also have to pay restitution. Uh, here's another example. Uh, Phil Ivey, we've all heard of Phil Ivey, the famous poker player. He and a uh, assistant named Sun went to one of the casinos and they cheated. They uh, marked the cards and 
they were found guilty and because they were found guilty they had to pay restitution to the casino so they won over a million dollars in money cash um that they now have to pay back to the casino the casino's trying to get that money back wow. yeah so it is a big deal um i wouldn't recommend doing it please don't do it uh-huh. uh but at least they don't break your bones. <laughs> right. So that's good. <laughs> Security <laughs> guards are not threatening you with a power saw anymore. Right. They'll, yeah. they'll look intimidating. They'll try to be intimidating, but they can't really do much. Now, if the casino does suspect that you are cheating, and you are cheating, um, they can detain you. A lot of people think that it is illegal for casinos to detain you, but it is not illegal. They can legally detain you as long as it's for a reasonable amount of time uh, while they're waiting for the cops to come and take care of you. Mm -hmm. So that is, um, it is possible for that to happen. The next thing then is I think the the black book is the stuff of legends. Mm. Um, I mean, every every Vegas mob movie that you've ever watched, they talk about the black book. Um, is it actually a thing? Is it actually black? Is it actually a book? Is it all digital now? How do you get into it? How do you get out of it? I have so many questions and I know you're the one that can answer them. Like most things in nowadays, it should be digital, but it's not digital. It should be digital. So it's a legitimate? It's a legitimate thing. Black book. It is actually black. It is actually a book. Um, they did use it. If you want to see an example of it, if you actually want to see a copy of it, go to the Mob Museum. I was just there this week and I did see it there. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And you can actually see an example. So it does exist. Um, usually the worst of the worst get put in there. If you are put in the black book, then normally your face is put in the system. It's put in the cameras. We have facial recognition software in our cameras. If you walk in and they recognize you, they will notify security and they'll call the cops. That's why usually when people come in, they're wearing like these major disguises and everything. Right. But sometimes the cameras catch them. Sometimes they don't. Um, If you are in the black book, you are banned from being in any casino in that area. So Las Vegas has a black book. If you are in there, you cannot be in any casino in the Las Vegas area. Uh, Usually cheaters are put in there, um, people who have stolen from the casinos. I know one person personally, one person personally, that doesn't sound very good, but I know one person who is put in the black book. and this is just a real quick story. When I was a dealer, I probably shouldn't say the name of this casino, but at one of the casinos, um, one of our fellow dealers was stealing money from our tokes. Our tokes are our tips. That's how we get paid. So the toke committee is the one that is in charge of doing the tips for the dealers. He was on the toke committee and he was pocketing $100 chips for 20 years. This guy stole over a million dollars from the casino. Well, not from the casino, from the dealers. Yeah. And when they put the cameras in the toke room, he was caught. So security, it ended up being this huge chase through the casino. He's running. Security's chasing him. I'm at my blackjack table, and I see him run by, and he throws something in the trash. So I tell the security guard, hey, he threw something in the trash. So they looked, and it was all of these black chips. 
they caught him, they called the cops, but he was not sent to jail. He was not prosecuted. The reason why is because he didn't steal from the casino. He stole from the dealers. You can't get 300 dealers to prosecute someone, apparently, is what I'm told. So he was let go. He was never technically sent to jail or anything, but he was placed in the black book. So he's never allowed to work as a dealer anywhere else. He's not allowed to uh, play as a player anywhere else. He's not even allowed to walk in a casino after that. But he doesn't care because he took his money and went to frickin' Thailand. He's good with that, you know? But that's an example. So is there ever a way to get out of the black book? Yes, um, there is, but it's extremely difficult and very rare, and it doesn't happen very often. Any examples of anybody that's gotten out of the black book? Unfortunately, none come to mind. However, I do remember it happening once, but I don't remember enough of the details to talk about it. Okay, that's fair. That's completely fair. I was just curious whether, because it sounds like once you're in, you're in, and that's that's the the be-all, end-all of it. Yeah, for the most part it is, but... Like with everything in life, there are some exceptions. Sure. Talked a little bit about some of the the methods that that the casinos are using to fight back against cheating. Are there there any other ways that that they use? I mean, other than the obvious, the eye in the sky and pit bosses and stuff like that. Or is it just, that's it. It's it's really well-trained people watching specifically for for cheaters. Well, the first line of defense is the dealer. So the dealer is always going to be the one that watches their table. And the second line of defense is the floorman. After that, it's the uh, cameras. Yeah. Believe it or not, players typically don't get involved if they see something happening. Sure. Um, if you are a cheat, that is something to consider as how the other people are going to react because there are... I don't know how else to say this, goody two-shoes mm-hmm. people out there who they will say something. Yeah. But those are few and far in between. Yeah. And the other thing I wanted to ask about, too, we, we talked a little bit about the app that helps you <laughs> count cards. Is the world, the, the technological world between smartphones and Google glasses and camera glasses and things like that, is that making cheating easier for people and then harder to deal with for the casinos or is it just a case of it really isn't making a difference in just the easiest way that's that's one of the reasons they'll say okay no phones at the table no any of that stuff of course um as with always it just depends so technology is amazing the stuff that i have seen that have come out i mean it's just really amazing what technology can do and i don't want to go into everything that's available out there right uh but there is some really just incredible things and for the most part casinos know about it um whether they're willing to spend the money on trying to stop it is a different thing i guess it would kind of for the casinos it would come down to the cost versus the risk i mean are they going to sink millions of dollars into a anti- tech cheating mechanism when realistically it may not actually take that much out of them. I mean, I know they want every dime they can get their hands on, obviously, but are they willing to take the risk or, or spend the money on something that might be a really low risk? It just depends on the device. So um, it depends on what you're talking about. A lot of 
the technology that's out there can be thwarted by policy and procedure. Mm -hmm. um, a good example of this would be on roulette. There is a app on the phone that if you put right over a roulette wheel, and I'm talking like right over it, um, it could calculate the speed of the ball and it could figure out what number it's going to hit on. No way. Yeah, seriously. So one of the ways that they deter from that is they ask people not to stand around the roulette wheel. Sure. You know, you see the plastic guard up so people can't get around the roulette wheel. If people are standing there, the dealer will be like, sir, can you please... That's one of the ways that they do it. Right. So, and that doesn't cost any money. That's just a policy and procedure type of a thing. Uh -huh. um, now, if you're talking about something that costs money, there are machines out there. And you could, if you go to G2E, you could see these machines. They're, they're, they're pretty interesting, actually. They could detect any type of marking on the cards. And there are some markings that are supposedly not detectable. And then these guys are like, no, we can totally detect them. And then, of course, you know, the price goes up for the amount of stuff that they could detect. Sure. Um, so some of these devices can be extremely expensive. And mm -hmm. is it worth it? Well, how many teams are going to be using this one specific daub that can only be seen by contacts that cost $10,000? Right. Not very many people, right? right? So would you want to spend that money for that? Mm -hmm. So it really just depends. Again, it's like a cat and mouse type of a game. Sure. Well, we have, we have taken a, a fascinating dive into this world, and um, I really do appreciate it. I, I've, this has been amazing. And, um, and, and again, I, I really do appreciate you taking the time to, to explain all this stuff to, to me because it's, like I say, you see it on TV, you see it in the movies, um, you know, people read about it online and, and I think they just kind of think, oh, I'm just going to walk in and I'm going to, like I say, I'm going to, I'm going to knock off the mirage for a million and a half by playing blackjack. And that's, that's not how it, how it works. So yeah. I, I appreciate I appreciate your your insight on this for sure. Well, thank you so much for having me on, and uh, I'm always willing to talk about the hangover effect of coming to Las Vegas and ending up leaving down three thousand. <laughs> Heather, thank you so much. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. If you want to get in contact with Heather, you can find her online at VegasAces.com, where you can also link to her Twitter and Facebook feeds, as well as her official YouTube channel, featuring a ton of great videos, including her weekly live streams. I'll post all those links in the show notes. And that wraps up yet another episode of the podcast. If you've got feedback on this episode of the show, or any other episode for that matter, or you're looking for suggestions for your own Vegas vacation on where to stay, where to eat, what to see, or what shows to hit up, please feel free to reach out to me via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at JeffDoesVegas. You can also drop me an email directly at Jeff at JeffDoesVegas.com. In the meantime, thank you so much for checking out the show. Be sure to subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know the moment new episodes are available. And don't forget to visit jeffdoesvegas.com for past episodes and show notes. My name is Jeff, and this has been episode number 51 of the Jeff Does Vegas podcast. <laughs>